0: orthodox journey. A missionary activity of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, working under the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia, presents the Neo-Martyrs a podcast series exploring the lives, times, and virtues of those saints who witnessed for Christ under Ottoman rule. This is The Neo-Martyrs. Near the village of Thermi on the island of Lesbos, also known as Mitilini, the residents had some astounding visions. They often saw a monk walking on a hill holding a centre who would disappear in a bright light. They named the hill Kaloyeros, the Greek word for monk. The owner of the land in 1917, a Turk named Hasan Bey, asked the police to investigate these claims. The investigation was soon abandoned. However, at the time, the people of Thermi would always make a pilgrimage to the ruins of a Byzantine monastery nearby on Bright Tuesday. This was the tradition, so the people kept following that tradition, but the reason why had been forgotten. This reason was to be revealed in 1959, when three martyrs from the time of the Ottoman persecutions began to appear to the residents of Thermi. These were the Archimandrite Raphael, the deacon Nicholas, and the twelve-year-old Irene. Saint Raphael was the abbot of the monastery of the Theotokos near Thermi, and Saint Nicholas was a deacon at that monastery. Saint Irene was the daughter of the mayor of the village. In 1463, after the Ottomans invaded the area, they attacked the villagers and the monks at the monastery. Saints Raphael, Nicholas and Irene endured harsh tortures in their love for Christ. These were very graphic, but they need to be remembered. St. Raphael was tied to a tree and killed by the Turks soaring through his jaw, and St. Nicholas died watching this horrific execution after he himself suffered many gruesome tortures. St. Irene had her arm cut off, and was placed in an earthen vessel. This vessel was then placed over a fire, and the twelve-year-old suffocated to death. They were all martyred on April 9, 1463, on the Tuesday after Pascha. They were not alone in their martyrdoms. St. Irene's parents and one of the teachers in the village also gave up their lives for Christ. On July third, 1959, the villagers digging in the ruins of the monastery found the relics of St. Raphael. The relics of St. Nicholas were found on June thirteenth, 1960. The earthen cask containing St. Irene's relics was found on May twelfth, 1961. Many miracles have been worked by these saints throughout the world ever since their discovery. The question one might ask is why these saints had to become martyrs. This is a central question in the lives of all the neo-martyrs, and the answer to it requires us to cast our minds back to Arabia in the 7th century AD. The Quran, the foundational text of Islam, states, Believers make war on the infidels who dwell around you. Deal firmly with them. Know that Allah is with the righteous. This was the Islamic mentality from the very start of Islam under Muhammad, and it saw the growth of the Islamic Caliphate. Within a very short time, it encompassed the Middle East, North Africa, and the Iberian Peninsula. The lands which formerly belonged to the Christian Empire of Byzantium, including the three patriarchates of Alexandria, Antioch, and Jerusalem, were in the hands of the Muslim Arabs. While there were clashes between Byzantium and the Arabs, the borders were, on the whole, quite stable. The Byzantines had their borders with the Arabs in the east roughly similar to the borders of modern-day Turkey. Towards the start of the 11th century, the Turkic tribes of Central Asia invaded the region and converted to Islam. One of the largest of these tribes, the Seljuk Turks, attacked Byzantine lands in the Caucasus. In response, the Emperor Romanos IV Diogenes marched out to attack the Turks near the fort of Mazankurt in the year 1071. What happened next was the beginning of the end of Byzantium. The emperor arrived for battle, but half of the army was not present, and the emperor had some commanders who were disloyal. Emperor Romanus was captured by the Seljuk Turk sultan, Alp Arslan, and the Turks subsequently made inroads into the heartland of the Byzantine Empire and settled in the former Byzantine lands. The empire was then weakened by the Crusades and the growing power of the West. The Ottoman Empire emerged from a number of Turkic tribes in Anatolia. Formed under the leadership of Osman, they carved out some territory south of Nicaea and expanded in every direction. They absorbed a few other Turkic tribes and grew in power and strength. The Emperor John Katakuzinos invited the Ottoman forces to help him in a civil war and allowed the Ottomans to gain a foothold in Europe at Gallipoli. From there, rapid expansion ensued. Thessaloniki fell in 1387. The Battle of Kosovo and the end of Serbia as a power in the region occurred in 1389. Eventually, Byzantium decreased to the extent that it only consisted of Constantinople and parts of the Peloponnese. It was completely surrounded by the Ottoman Empire. Some neo-martyrs, such as Saint Ephraim of Nea Macri, witnessed for Christ during this time in history. The fall of Constantinople was long in the making, yet it was bound to happen. The Ottomans had all the land around Constantinople but what finally made it possible was the advent of the cannon. This allowed the Ottomans to breach the double walls of Constantinople and end the Byzantine Empire. The defenders held out bravely, but could not match the massive cannon, which was deployed by the Ottoman armies. The siege started in early April 1453 and ended on May the 29th 1453. Constantinople was subsequently sacked for a whole day with many people being attacked and killed. By 1461, Trebizond, the final outpost of Byzantium, was defeated. There were still some islands and parts of Greece that had not been conquered by the Ottomans, with Mitilene's conquest in 1463 resulting in the martyrdoms of Saints Raphael, Nicholas and Irene. Many of the neo-martyrs both known and unknown, suffered during the course of these Ottoman conquests. Aside from the warfare, the looting, pillaging and sacking of many cities led to vast numbers of Orthodox men, women and children dying for their faith. Even after the conquests were complete, the survivors faced a difficult life under the Ottoman yoke. They had restrictions on acquiring property, they were taxed more heavily, and it was almost impossible to succeed in court against a Muslim, as the word of a Christian counted for nothing against the word of a Muslim, a recurring theme in the lives of the neo-martyrs. There were restrictions on freedom of worship, with churches not able to be repaired or have their bells rung. Even though existing churches were meant to be protected, they were often turned into mosques or used for degrading purposes. While the Quran states, there shall be no compulsion in religion, this was repeatedly disobeyed in the Ottoman Empire. Churches were converted to mosques, patriarchs were appointed and removed at the behest of the Ottoman sultan, with neo-martyrs such as Saint Cyril Lucaris being appointed five times before being executed. Additionally, there were restrictions on the types of clothes a Christian could wear, and they were not allowed to own their own weapons, or even, at times, ride horses. The worst of all was that they were liable to have their children stolen from them, with both boys and girls taken under this system called devshirm in Turkish and bedu in Greek. The boys were taken to be janissaries, elite soldiers, and the girls were taken as slaves. All of the children taken were forcibly converted to Islam. Once a person either converted or was forced into Islam, it was illegal to revert back to their previous religion. The punishment was death for anyone that did so. This law against apostasy, the Janissary system, and the rewards for being Muslim served to reduce the number of Christians and boost the number of Muslims. With such incentives to convert to Islam, it is truly surprising that more Orthodox Christians did not do so. It is truly remarkable that so many Christians refuse to apostatize. For this we have to thank the neo-martyrs, whose example strengthened the resolve of the Christians to remain true to their faith. The benefit of having Orthodox Christians exist as a second-class group was that it retained Orthodoxy at the center of ethnic identity. Thus, the people were able to retain their identity as Greeks, Serbs, Antiochians, and so on. One example of a life under these conditions is the life of the new martyr Alexander the former dervish. The neo-martyr Alexander was born to an Orthodox Christian family in Thessaloniki. Even though his parents sent Alexander to Smyrna to protect him from the gathering of children, he nevertheless converted to Islam while there. He threw himself into his Muslim faith. He even made a pilgrimage to Mecca and became a dervish, a type of Muslim monastic. However, Alexander was troubled by his conscience and remembered the treatment of his Orthodox brothers and sisters. To appease his conscience, he acted in ways that convinced people that he was insane. In this way, he rebuked the Muslims for the injustices they committed against the Orthodox Christians. For this, he was almost killed in Egypt. And eventually, he made his way via Thessaloniki and Chios back to Smyrna. Arriving in Smyrna, Alexander presented himself before the judge of the city and replaced his Muslim head covering with a Christian one. Remember, it was forbidden for a Christian to wear Muslim clothes, and degrading to a Muslim to wear Christian clothes. While the Muslims were still convinced that he was insane, they tried to persuade Alexander to return to Islam. They feared embarrassment if one of their monastics, their most devout people, became Orthodox. After Alexander told the judge that he was born an Orthodox Christian and would die an Orthodox Christian, he was sentenced to death by beheading. This sentence was carried out on May 26th, 1794. The life of the neo-martyr Alexander, the former dervish, highlights the practical difficulties of living as an Orthodox Christian in the Ottoman Empire. If a person at any point became a Muslim, they were subject to death, if they returned to their orthodox faith, as happened to St. Alexander. If they did not convert, they were second-class subjects and were liable to become victims of persecution. They were often taken to the courts and placed in situations which left them with the choice of converting to Islam or dying because of their legal status. And yet, all this history and all this context alone does not explain why so many people witnessed for their faith in Christ. Alone, it does not explain why people suffered for their entire lives under the Ottoman yoke. To quote Christ, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The people relied on God and the Theotokos as their support. They took courage from the lives of the saints and the neo-martyrs who witnessed for Christ and stood up to the might of the Ottoman Empire. In spite of all the tribulations, tortures and torments which were the result of the Islamic system present in the Ottoman Empire, the people placed their hope in Christ, who said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of The Orthodox Journey. To keep up to date with our podcasts, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or head to orthodoxjourney.com where you can find even more Orthodox articles, talks, sermons and podcasts.